Making the Turn with Peter Kessler on the PGA Tour Network, Sirius 209, XM 146. Presented by the Jim McLean Golf School, the number one rated golf school in America. Now from Orlando, Florida, here's Peter Kessler. Good morning and welcome to the show. My first guest is a poet, a journalist, an author, an incredibly keen and knowledgeable observer of the game. And he is also the chairman and master architect for Robert Trent Jones II. He has designed more than 270 golf courses in more than 40 countries on six continents. Great pleasure to welcome to the show Robert Trent Jones, Jr. Morning, sir. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I am well. And you? Great. Great. Tell me about Chambers Bay and what it means to you now. Well, Chambers Bay, I think, means a lot to the game of golf as well as to me. First of all, uh, it's a great championship layout. It's been tested this year at the U.S. Amateur. We found uh, the course to be a hard, true running links. It's a restored uh, sand dune, uh, sandy quarry into a true links uh, surface. So the aerial game is now all equally important with the ground game. And the players there, that is the amateurs who made it to the semifinals or even quarterfinals, who embraced the course and embraced this new game, meaning land the ball short of the hole or land the ball away from the hole and let it feed into the hole, uh, love the course. And their imagination ruled the day. And as we found in the great match between Ben On and David Chung in the semifinals, the course would also yield to brilliant play. Uh, ben On was, uh, had shot six under par in the first six holes, and, and David Chung was three down because he was three under par. Eventually, David won the match and came back. So the course played the way they loved it, and they've been extolling its virtues ever since. Would, would you say it's a reasonable observation that when we add this course to the mix and we we just pick at random 30 others of yours that we would conclude that your work is fairly eclectic? Well, I would hope so, because we are not, we don't come with a preordained philosophy except to make 18 great and interesting holes for a wide range of uh, golfers. Uh, the, our first and most important person uh, is the golfer himself, but probably even more important than that is the land we're given to work on. So, for example, at Brohoff Slot and, and where the Scandinavian Masters were played in uh, July, it was a huge lake, Lake Malloran, that fed into the smaller lakes around the course. And it's the opposite of Chambers Bay. It's a, it's a parkland course in Sweden with lots of water holes. So whereas Chambers Bay has no water holes other than the Puget Sound, which is not in play, uh, this had many water holes. So each course is different. We are site-specific. We try to react to the land. And if we serve the land, we're serving our clients and the game, we hope. I was absolutely fascinated to learn that you learned to play golf a bit from Tommy Armour and that you did so at Wingfoot. Um, one of my heroes is Armour and one of my favorite 36-hole complexes, if there are any really better 36 holes than Wingfoot. I'd like to know what they are. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about Tommy Armour and Wingfoot, if you don't mind. Well, for those of you who don't know, I've written a book called Golf by Design, and in my acknowledgments, the first line I meant is my time at Wingfoot playing with Tommy Armour. That was in the late 50s. I had the great fortune to play on the U.S. junior team at that time, and we beat the Brits uh, at, at, who were, came over to play us. And I won my match at Wingfoot, so I've loved Wingfoot ever since. But Armour happened to watch the match. We turned even, and uh, we have the, the famous 10th hole in twos. 
my dad came up at that point and said he was late as usual at <laughs> some of my matches. But he came up in armor and said, you may be a great architect, Trent, but your son could play. I'm going to teach him. Well, my dad thought he, he had taught me, but armor taught me and David Marr and uh, Whiffy Smith and somebody who was paying a high, handsome fee. Uh, they taught, he taught us for nothing the, what he called the fine points of the game. And he taught us most about how to think. He said a golf course is animate. And it, we, even Scotland, we named the features, for, for example, the, the principal's nose or the spectacles or Hell's Bunker or Elysian Fields. We named them because that's what the contest is. It's real. It's, it's animate. And as you hit the shot, remember you're not having a match against your opponent. You're having a match with each hole. And I never forgot that philosophy. He was a great, great teacher on five points. So we only had to, we only played nine holes, though, because when he got near the bar, he had it in. Now, you know, something that you've written extensively about is the business of reading the features on a golf course. And I assume that when you get ready to build them, that it's paramount that the guy who shoots 90 can read the features of a golf course and have it be applicable to the way in which he shoots his score. Oh, yeah, that's very important to us. After all, um, everybody gets older in this game. It's a game of a lifetime, and you're going to be moving up on the forward tees. And we have invented what we call ribbon tees at Chambers Bay, very uneven tees to give uh, every player a chance to set up their shot right from the beginning and, and for their own game, right-handed pl- player one way, left-handed player another, an older player one way, and a young limber back another. So we think the width is more important than length, really. And at Chambers Bay, for example, but also at the new Patriot course in Tulsa, the fairways are very wide. At, at Tulsa, there's no fairway bunkers on 14 of the holes, which are the par fours, as I recall, uh, maybe 13, I'm sorry. But um, anyway, the features of the land are the, are the hazards, the canyons, the creek, whatever. And so we are widening the, the fairways to, so everybody can play. Yet the course will play very uh, interesting, and uh, that's the main reason we play golf, is to have fun and be invited back to play the course over and over again. You know, Jack Nicklaus has always said that growing up at Scioto helped build a game for him that was suited to U.S. Open-style golf courses. And and given how much time you spent at Waynefoot and those Tillinghast holes and the green complexes, how much do you think that later informed your work without taking away from your own originality? Well, first of all, I grew up in a golf architectural family. My dad was a golf architect, so obviously when I got uh, out of college and I was no longer playing competitive golf, I played first man for Yale, and we were Eastern Intercollegiate champions. I played in the U.S. and the NCAAs in Oregon. So on, when I started working for him, it was like getting off the practice tee and back into a bulldozer. So he taught me the fundamentals of the game, which he always said were drainage, drainage, and drainage. Get the course dry so the ball could be hit uh, on firm, off firm turf. And that, those are the uh, technical parts. In terms of the style, I'm a Tillinghast fan, great Tillinghast fan. And yes, it did inform my work. I think uh, I like bunkers that are real set for strategic play, give you as many options as a Chicago Mart, you know, and uh, ways that you can think your way through the golf course. And uh, Tillinghast, we've used, I've used his style of bunker, particularly at Cordoba, where they recently played a fall series PGA Tour event won by Rocco Mediate. So an old fox can beat uh, young Ricky Fowler on one of my courses when it's in, in the PGA Tour competition, and that's a Tillinghast-style bunkering pattern. Dave Moore has always been one of my favorites. Uh, watching him uh, deteriorate in his health at the end of his life was, was a very difficult thing to watch, and he let us continue to see it because he continued to work until he, until he almost passed away. And uh, 
it must have been an amazing thing to spend time with him when he was in his so-called prime. Well, it was, I, I knew him right up to the end. He and I were good friends because we met each other when he was young. I remember I looked up to him. He was about four or five years older than me at that time. And I asked him, how many great courses are there in Texas? Because I'd never been to Texas. I grew up around New York and New Jersey. And uh, he said, uh, Bobby, there are more great courses in Maranek, New York, than in the whole state, my whole home state of Texas. So I never forgot that he had a great sense of humor. And uh, he was a very precise player, great approach shots. Uh, to the green, he, he would play position golf the way Hogan did. Dan Jenkins and he and I were good friends. We were, he ended up being the golf professional at one of my early works, Princeville Golf Course in Kauai, Hawaii, which has recently been renovated. And his son, David, and I remained good friends because I knew him as a boy with my son, and we, we keep our families friend, friendly. Dan Jenkins' work, um, it, it's funny. Some people don't get that he's a brilliant writer and just think he's a funny guy. It it's amazing how we we form our opinions just like when you know you watch a movie and we walk out and say gee that so and so was really funny when of course you know the the writer's putting the words in his mouth. Well, Jenkins is uh, probably you know if if the, if the Nobel Prize for humor were given he would win it, but more more than humor he's uh, insightful and deep and. Can be seemingly sarcastic, and can and, and the and the the people who are maybe the victims of his of his playful humor uh, aren't as happy. But we get the human condition that he's portraying very well, and particularly in golf. You know, the dogged victims of inexorable fate. His early work is a, is a masterwork of and makes everyone laugh and think of themselves and their kids and wandering around on, on Goat Hills Golf Course in Fort Worth. Uh, it's it's a, it's a work worthy of reading. But his, his commentary and his observations on the great players and the great championships are very insightful. But for the most part, all of his work is uh, about the human condition. And if we if we're here on Earth, let's play a lot of golf and laugh at ourselves and not get too too stressed out. That's kind of what Dan Jenkins means to me in his work. It, it was said that that Bobby Jones, the other Bobby Jones, when he played golf, he was given, and according to Bernard Darwin, a certain there was a certain kind of poetry, a certain kind of artistry to to his golf swing that transcended golf. Just like if you watch Fred Astaire dance, you knew something special was happening, even if you didn't quite understand what was going on. And I know that you draw um, a, a very straight line comparison between the poetry that you write and the poetry that you try to infuse or discover when you are building a golf course. From my point of view, a golf course should be um, not a civil engineering project. It should not look mechanical or man-made, not like a street or uh, something like that. It has to drain, as I mentioned. But for the most part, I think of, of the other arts informing me. I happen to write. I'm trained that way. At, uh, we were taught to read and write, write and read at Yale. And I enjoy poetry and the emotional effect. It's sort of like my professor told me in, in prose, you have a storyline, a drama, and a conclusion. In poetry, get in, get bud, get out. So I like to evolve, to use poetry, and, and I write it and read it to other people. I'm, I'm a great fan of uh of uh, many poets, but uh, Keats and Yeats and uh, of the classics, and um, 
trying to think of our famous poet laureate right now, Billy somebody, and he lost his last name, but uh, he's a humorous poet. But the point is that we try to get a rhythm. Uh, maybe music is an equal equally point or a lyric. Uh, we we wouldn't we would want each each chorus to have a kind of a structure to it. Short par fours, obviously long and and short par threes, uh, two shot par fives, one sh- uh, three shot par fives. Uh, for the better players, and the, but it has to be all tied into a structure, and the structure is the symphony or the um, uh, kind of uh, yield of the, or the great epic poem uh, of the whole work. And if you embrace this golf course, you'll find yourself in having a lot more fun and have a great dance with this beautiful lady called the golf course. Uh, and I think, for example, players who don't like a course, I remember Jack Nicholas was not happy with Hazeltine. He and I are our contemporaries, and, and I said, hey, Jack, you're not going to play well here in the 1970 Open at Hazeltine at the Champions Dinner, which I attended with my dad. He said, yes, I am. Why do you say that? It was very uh, argumentative with me. The guy said, because you don't like the golf course. And sooner or later, you're going to be angry at the course rather than just concentrating on your shots. And that turned out to be the case um, when uh, Jacqueline won it, who he later befriended. So you have to embrace the course, even at the highest championship level, to love it, and it will get back to you and learn it and dance with her. <laughs> when, a, when a recreational player, Bobby, steps on to a tee of a golf course that he or she hasn't played before, and and you want them to pause for a moment and read what's there in front of them. What should they be picking out? What they what should they be looking for? And 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 ma- and how to match that up with what is their average shot? Well, the first thing, if it's a golf course they haven't played before, such as any of the wonderful new public courses that are being springing out, springing up throughout the country. For example, our course in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, three crowns uh, to restoration, restorated oil uh, degraded site, which was ironically re- re- refixed up and re- renovated by BP. Um, they should look at the scorecard. They should ask the pro: Is there any what direction is the wind coming from traditionally, and which what, what's the weather like of that day? And as they play on an open course where you can see other holes, um, such as uh, Three Crowns in Castor, Wyoming, or or other public courses that we've done are not uh, like in Hawaii, for example. Take a look at the prevailing winds. Think about it. And as you pass a green, take a look at where the flagstick is. And you're going to come back to that green later on, and that will give you an advantage over someone who's just uh, swinging away thoughtlessly. Those are some of the tips I'd give when you're examining a course. Every course has, a, particularly those that have been done by wonderful architects, such as you mentioned Tillinghass or uh, Fazio or my brother Reese or other people, um, they, have a, they have a structure. And uh, as you look at it, you will be two up on the first tee if you're paying attention and, and you prepare yourself for that particular structure. Every hockey player uh, knows that the goalie has a tendency to move right or left. Same thing in soccer. So uh, golf architects have some tendencies, too. And uh, if you've played, say, a Fazio course one place, you might see some some similar features the other place. That'll give you an advantage if you're over your opponent and lower your score. One last question for you. T- tell me about your uh, involvement with the A position. Well, the A position is a group of writers who uh, uh, are fun to, to read. I think it's a... Uh, Jeff Wallach has uh, worked with me. He reviewed our course in Barbados years ago. Uh, he and I are friends. I know many of the writers, and I think it's a great format to uh, in this day and age where the print journalism is, is, is giving way to the to you guys and the and the uh, electronic media as well as to the uh, internet. It's a great read, way to read people who love the written word, and um, I would certainly endorse uh, going in and, and enjoying it. It's it's free, I think. So why not? 
Uh, they were just the A-list published, Giving Thanks, and you talked about what are you most thankful for in golf. Just just share that with our listeners who haven't gone on to the A position. Well, this year um, I'm, I give thanks. I've actually written a poem on Thanksgiving, set full symphonic, symphonic music. And I say it's, <clears throat> this year we should be thankful, as Lincoln said in his proclamation, for fruitful fields and healthful skies, and <clears throat> it's thanks and giving time. That's my my poetry added to Lincoln, so I feel very uh, <laughs> humble, to be honest. But uh, if you haven't haven't read the the American, if you haven't read Lincoln's proclamation establishing Thanksgiving, I urge everyone to do that. In terms of uh, this uh, Thanksgiving, I give my personal thanks to the United States Golf Association, who are volunteers who keep the game, and they're the priesthood of the game. They keep the rules. They keep us all enjoying the game. But I give particular thanks for the fact that they are embracing public golf courses, Beth Page, Torrey Pines, now Chambers Bay, for the highest levels of our national championships. For me personally, um, this is my most important and most emotional uh, career victory, so to speak, or at least an acknowledgement of my work and our and my team's work. And uh, so I'm grateful that they chose pa- Chambers Bay for that. It would be for a painter, somebody, uh, a great artist, having one of his paintings hanging in the Louvre to have the U.S. Open Championship on one of their courses. It hasn't happened since 1970 at Hazeltine uh, on a new course. Most of the courses have been remodeled. Uh, so it's a, my dad was the last to do that, and that is another family uh, thing that I'm thankful for. I was born into the game of golf. I love the game of golf, and I'm playing it all my life, and I hope others will who find the game of golf will get the great enjoyment I do and give thanks for the game, and the USGA in particular. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and a healthy, happy holiday season, and thank you so much for today, Bobby. I'm deeply appreciative of the time. I'm appreciative of your good work, Peter. Keep it up, and we'll we'll uh, listen to you soon again, I hope. I appreciate that. Great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, too. I appreciate that. Robert Trent Jones, Jr., Bobby Jones, Chairman, Master Architect for Robert Trent Jones, Robert Trent Jones II, designed more than 270 golf courses in more than 40 countries on six continents. Uh, You can find uh, some of his work at rtj2.com, rtj2.com, or you can just simply go over to the aposition.com. We'll be right back.